Hi, everybody. This is Gadsad Friday evening, Shabbat. And yet here I am posting a sad truth clip because the defense of truth, of reason, of logic, of science can never be put aside because nothing is more important than the, the deontological defense of truth. And certainly in the arena of science where you're supposed to pursue truth unencumbered by any biases, by any ideology, by any parasitic ideas. So some of you may remember that in 2017, I had been invited to offer testimony in front of the Canadian Senate regarding Bill C-16, which sought to incorporate uh, gender uh, expression and gender identity under the rubric of uh, hate crimes. Uh, and you should go back. I will post it at the end of this clip. You should go back and listen to my testimony, uh, which I hate to be the one to say I exactly predicted what I'm going to talk about. This is what happens when in the service of a noble goal, in this case, making sure that all people live uh, dignified lives free of bigotry, any, any reasonable person would support that, when in the pursuit of that goal, you using a consequentialist ethic, you decide that it's okay to murder and rape truth in the service of that goal. That's exactly what I talk about in The Parasitic Mind, where I explain that each of these idea pathogens, each of these parasitic ideas share one commonality. They seek to free us from the, sh from the pesky shackles of reality in the service of some, quote, noble social justice goal. No, I can chew gum and walk at the same time. I can seek to create a better better world by you know fighting against bigotry and so on without ever seeding one millimeter of reality of the truth of common sense and so in my testimony in front of the canadian senate i had said look uh, harvard is now talking about we need to do away with you know the antiquated thinking of of binary the antiquated forms of binary thinking male and female and then i said so if i'm teaching you know, evolutionary psychology, and I'm talking about sexual selection in the way that Darwin talked about it. And if I'm teaching about male and female, what stops a transgender student saying that this is transphobic? You're using the antiquated model of binary thinking. Go and watch my opening speech because what I'm about to talk about is exactly what I predicted when all of the super progressive liberal uh, senators mocked me scoffed at me well i await their apologies but in any case let me read you what just happened at the american anthropological association and the canadian uh, anthropological society so they had their meeting and there was a session that was organized let me first read to you the the abstract of the session so here we go the title of the session was Let's Talk About Sex, Baby, Why Biological Sex Remains a Necessary Analytic Category in Anthropology. Well, just that. Let's stop for a second. Imagine that in the 21st century, you need to have at the leading anthropological associations of Canada and the U.S. a session that says, hey, you know, biological sex is still important and we should talk about it. You know, a sexually reproducing species consisting of two 
default phenotypes known as male and female with very clear definition of what that means. That's how that species sexually reproduces. What 117 billion people who have ever lived on Earth have known until 15 minutes ago, we now need to have an anthropological session in a scientific conference to say, no, no, there is really such a thing as biological sex. As I predicted would happen in 2017 in my Canadian Senate meeting, as I had pre- have predicted for nearly 30 years, because I've been, as you know, I've been infusing Darwinian thinking within the social sciences in general and within the business school in particular, and the amount of animus that I have faced from, you know, social scientists, because, you know, are you saying that humans are animals? Are you saying that there are innate sex differences? Are you saying that biology matters to human beings? That's disgusting, professor. You must be a Jewish Nazi. Well... I hate to be the one to say it, but I told you so. So let's read first the very, very controversial session that they had to then cancel. So the participants were Kathleen Lowry. She's a professor of anthropology. Carol Hooven, with whom I've communicated in the past. She she was a, uh, I think, an adjunct professor in psychology at uh, Harvard University. She's written a book about testosterone. Elizabeth Weitz, with whom I've communicated and who was at the uh, Stanford University uh, Conference on Academic Freedom that I was at last year where I was uh, one of the invited speakers. She's gotten into hot mess because of some incredible, insane, parasitic things. And she has has a site uh, recounting the current story that I'm talking about, Elizabeth Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, check her out. Then there is... Uh, Sylvia Carrasco, Kathleen Richardson, and Mich- Michelle Sirois. By the way, for all of the diversity, inclusion, and equity, I'm seeing here at least uh, individuals who were tentatively, probabilistically assigned as female at birth, you know, because they have, you know, f- female looking probabilistically genitalia and stuff. So how come there are no men here? How come it doesn't seem as though there are any men in this? So maybe some men can complain that there wasn't the right ratio of male to female participants in this session. But in any case, apparently all of these women are Nazis because they wanted to talk about the importance of biological sex in an anthropology conference. So here we go. The session description, I'm going to read you the whole thing. Just the session description, not the actual different uh, presentations, but that should give you a, a sense of the timber of the, the the session. And then I will read you the letter of the why they pulled it, because it was so dangerous, so corrosive. I satirized all this for years. I mocked all this for years. I got into trouble for for years. I had papers rejected at all sorts of journals for years because I warned against the stuff. Well, here it is. Session description. While it has become increasingly common in anthropology and public life to substitute sex with gender, there are multiple domains of research in which biological sex remains irreplaceably relevant to anthropological analysis. Hold your horses. 
You mean a sexually reproducing species consisting of two default phenotypes known as male and female? And if you're studying the human condition and anthropology, you need to explain in the 21st century that, you know, the natural taxonomy of male-female remains an important category. My goodness, this sounds like insane. This is eugenics. This is Nazism. I'm already offended. Contesting the transition from sex to gender in anthropological scholarship deserves much more critical consideration than it has hitherto received in major disciplinary fora like AAA, the American uh, Association of Anthropology, whatever, and the Canadian uh, Anthropological Society. This diverse international panel made up of all apparent women who some physician roughly guessed probabilistically that they were female when they were born. They were assigned as female because they had vaginas. Uh, so it has hitherto received in major discipline for, okay, this diverse international panel brings together scholars from sociocultural anthropology, archaeology, and biological anthropology, biological anthropology. Who would think that in biological anthropology, you would care about things like biological sex? That seems insane. Only Himmler and Hitler would say such a thing. Who describe why in their work gender is not helpful and only sex will do. So what they're basically saying there is that this distinction between gender and sex in some areas is not really a, a, a valuable distinction. You need to be talking about biological sex. That is the, the, the marker, the taxonomy, the binary variable of interest. Okay, this, in, this is particularly the case when the work is concerned with equity and the deep analysis of power and, and which has an aim, the achievement of genuine inclusivity with research foci from hominin evolution to contemporary artificial intelligence from the anthropology of education to the debates within contemporary feminism about surrogacy. Panelists make the case that while not all anthropologists need to talk about sex, baby, some absolutely do. Okay, so all that they're saying is, that sure, you could talk about distinction between sex and gender, although, by the way, they're highly correlated. Yes, there are some women who are very masculine in their uh, overt orientations, and then there are some women, uh, men who are, uh, you know, uh, more feminine in their, some of their orientations, some of their preferences, some of their behavioral patterns. Th these two tend to be highly correlated. But in any case, that's, that's a separate issue. All that they're saying here is that there are many domains of inquiry within anthropology where where talking about gender instead of sex makes no sense and that the 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 marker of the binary marker of biological sex remains important right the average 3 day old pigeon knows this to be true but these are sophisticated anthropologists that need to be told that in the 21st century when until 15 minutes ago 117 billion people who reproduced because each of the two people who reproduced knew exactly what male and female was. Now, in anthropology, that's a no-no. I predicted this. Go back to my testimony. And if I seem pissed off, it's because there is nothing more soul-crushing to the human spirit than when a mind is parasitized. Because what that does is it removes the dignity of reason. When you're unable to any longer say, yes, I know what male is. I know what female is. This says nothing about the fact that people who, who, who 
suffer from gender dysphoria exist and that, of course, there should be no institutionalized forms of bigotry against them. Of course, that's true. That doesn't mean that we can't talk about biological sex because it is harmful to marginalized communities. All right, now let's read. So I read you the session that had been accepted, but then upon further analysis, they decided that that session where six or seven women, these these are not you know, SS members. These are not part of the inner circle of Hitler. These are, you know, well-established scientists, female scientists. No, we need to shut them down. Let me read you the letter from that was published in the American Anthropological Association. And I'll put the two places where I'm reading this stuff from, I will post in the description, Okay. All right, no place for transphobia in anthropology, session pulled from annual meeting program, okay? Recognizing that there are contexts where biological sex matters is transphobic, okay? I'm going to say it another time, not to be arrogant, not to be gleeful. Go back to my testimony in 2017 and see if I exactly predicted this while the senators mocked and scoffed. All right, let's go on. The AAA and the CASCA boards reached a decision to remove the session, quote, let's talk about sex, baby, why biological sex remains a necessary analytical category in anthropology from the AAA CS. CASCA 2023 conference program. This decision was based on extensive consultation. Yeah, here's the extensive consultation. Timmy, who works as a barista and has blue-haired, aposematic hair coloring, I want you to tell me if you are offended by the concept of biological sex. You're triggered? Okay, let's pull it. That's the extensive consultation and was reached in the spirit of respect for our values in order to ensure the safety and dignity of all of our members as well as the scientific integrity of the program. Let me stop here. Let me do a Malibu meditator. <sighs> Bring down the blood pressure. The highest association in Canadian anthropology and American anthropology are saying that six or seven women, I can't remember the number, who are established researchers who wish to have a session on why in some contexts anthropological research must recognize the marker of biological sex. That does not pass scientific scrutiny and it doesn't promote the safety and dignity of the association's members. You know that association that is made up of members of two phenotypes, male and female. All right, let's go on. The first ethical principle in AAA's principles of professional responsibility is to do no harm. Oh, the Hippocratic Oath. The session was rejected was rejected because it relied on assumptions that run contrary to the settled science in our discipline. You know which settled science? 
It's the settled science that some women have nine-inch penises. It's the settled science that men too can menstruate. It's the settled science that men too can bear children. It's the settled science that when physicians deliver a baby, they take a best-guess estimate. 117 billion people have existed until the noble blue-haired people came along. Until then, we had been guessing. When I chose to marry my wife and try to couple with her to produce children, I did a best-guess estimate. There were really two options. I was either going to mate repeatedly with my wife, who luckily turned out to be female. I'm not officially, I mean, I'm an evolutionary psychologist, but I'm not by training a biologist. So just like the noble Supreme Court person who can't tell who's a woman because she's not a biologist, I was just going on hunches, guesses. My two choices were I was either going to have sex with Dave Rubin or with my wife. I just choked. Uh, chose on a whim I did a flip because it's a best guess estimate I chose my wife and then we produced children but I could have been still mating with Dave Rubin right now not knowing that we can't produce children through our mating because I'm not a biologist and I'm not as accomplished as these anthropologists because I was going on this old antiquated thing penis vagina stuff wrong that's not the settled science let's go on so that run contrary to the settled science in our discipline framed in ways that do harm to vulnerable members of our community. In my, in my uh, testimony, I used the term tyranny of the minority, which has now become, you see it everywhere. I use that term and I use it in the parasitic mind because you have 0.01% of people who are official. I mean, there are different estimates, but it's, in the, or it's well under 1%, well under 1% who are not comfortable with the binary class nomenclature of male-female. They might be non-binary, they might be uh, gender fluid, and so on and so forth. Therefore, 99.9% of people who do identify, who are cis, who are heteronormative, have to no longer abide by those markers of personhood because that marginalizes the 0.01%. All right, let's go on. It commits one of the cardinal sins of scholarship. It assumes the truth of the proposition that it sets out to prove, namely that sex and gender are simplistically binary, and this is a fact with, with meaningful implications for the discipline. Exactly. It is absolutely not true that sex is, is binary. You know, just like, for example, I've, I've done a sad truth clip where I've shown that there are, there are uh, situations where people are born with more than 10 toes or less than 10 toes or more than 10 fingers or less than 10 fingers. That proves to you that it's not a fixed trait that humans have 10 fingers and 10 toes. As the nurse checks when a baby's born, they count the number of toes and fingers. That's not true. The reality is that people are born with finger fluidity, right? Some people are born with two. Some people, it's simply anatomically and biologically wrong to say that we are born with 10 fingers and 10 toes because Uncle Timmy was born with nine. That's settled science. All right. Such efforts contradict scientific evidence, including the wealth of anthropological scholarship on gender and sex. Forensic anthropologists talk about using bones for sex 
estimation, not sex identification, a process that is probabilistic rather than clearly determinative and that is easily influenced by cognitive bias on the part of the researcher. Exactly. And by the way, the same argument is being used when they now say that a, a, a physician takes a best guess estimate as to what your sex is when they see you know, penis and vagina. But those are antiquated terms. We no longer talk about, oh, there's this male appendage called penis. You know, some women have vaginas that come in the form of nine-inch penises. It's fluid. That's the settled science. That's why if I were in the U.S., I'd be voting for the Democratic Party because they're the party of science. All right, let's go on. Uh, where am I? Yeah. Around the world and throughout human history, there have always been people whose gender roles do not align neatly with their reproductive anatomy. Exactly. My uncle Timmy like used to used to play with, with dolls, and therefore it's not true that there's such a thing as penises and vaginas. That's that's the whole point, right? It's it's fluid. It's a it's a normal distribution. There are many, many genders, many, many sexes. And it just so happens that 117 billion people who've ever existed happen to just find the right things to go with the right parts. All right, let's go on. On uh, there, yeah. Uh, there, uh, yeah, right. There is no single biological standard by which all humans can be reliably assorted into a binary male-female sex classification. There is no such mechanism. There is no way to look at a baby and to definitively say that's a boy or a girl. There's just no way. I don't look. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know till today, what the sex of my own children is. I don't know. I'm going on estimates. I'm going on cognitive biases. Some people have said, oh, this one looks like a daughter. Others have said, oh, this one could be a son. But I'm not going to abide by that because I follow the settled science of the Democratic Party. I follow the settled science of the noble blue-haired people at the American Anthropological Association. They're smart. They're not dumb like us, you know, you know, business school professors, you know, who, who make the highest salaries because we actually do research on things that are coupled to the real world rather than bullshit parasitic nonsense. We actually have to build mathematical models of the economy. We have to develop psychological models of consumer choice, real things, right, that drive the capitalistic economy. We're not as sophisticated as the blue-haired people from the Anthropological Association, right? Who They're gender fluid. They're, they're lobotomy fluid. Some have brains, some don't have brains, some have brains but identify as not having brains, some have no brains but identify as being intelligent and academics. So there's fluidity in anthropology. Let's go on. On the contrary, anthropologists and others have long shown sex and gender to be historically and geographically contextual, deeply entangled, and dynamically mutable categories. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to the Namibian desert. Ask the, the tribes there, do you know what male or female is? They'll say, we don't know what that is. What are you talking about, male, female? We have no clue. Go to the Amazon, Yanamomo tribe, no clue. Go back to ancient Greek poetry. They have no clue. It's completely contextually determined. You don't know what, I mean, some people say that male is, you have a vagina. So it's just, it's not known. We don't know. The 117 billion people who made best guess estimates just got on a lucky streak. All right, let's go on. 
The function of the gender critical scholarship advocated in this session, like the function of the race science of the late 19th and early 20th century is to advance a quote, scientific reason to question the humanity of already marginalized groups of people. In this case, those who exist outside a strict and narrow sex slash gender binary. So look at here, the beautiful uh, progressive sleight of hand. The people who are now saying that there's such a thing as biological sex are just like the race eugenicists, the Nazis. They're no different, right? They're the same. They're essentialists. They're nativists. They're biological determinists. They're fake. They're Nazis. Transgender and gender diverse identities have long existed, and we are committed to upholding the value and dignity of transgender people. We believe that a more just future is possible, one where gender diversity is welcomed and supported rather than marginalized and policed. There is nothing in the session that I read in question that marginalized or policed transgender people or said anything derogatory about transgender people. They were simply saying that there are many contexts where biological sex matters. I study psychology of decision-making. I study consumer psychology. I study uh, evolutionary psychology. Guess what? Biological sex really matters. I've published many papers on sex differences where I seem to exactly know what male or female was. According to these anthropologists, I, you know, I'm no different than Himmler. And by the way, I've had many papers in my career that were desk rejected exactly for what just happened. So it is a miracle that I was able to publish all that I publish in academia, given the positions that I've taken, both in my scientific career and in my public outreach. But guess what? I don't give an F. Why? Because it is better to live as a truthful person with dignity for a minute than to live as a lobotomized coward for 10,000 years. It is astonishing that in the 21st century, a supposedly august organization like the American Anthropological Association with its history, like the Canadian uh, Society of Anthropology would be pulling a session where well-established female scholars in the field are simply making the very tepid statement that there are contexts where creating the Gender versus sex distinction is meaningless because in those contexts, the biological binary classification of male and female matters. That's all they were saying. They didn't negate the fact that there are people who suffer from gender dysphoria, that transgender people should live free of bigotry. They didn't say any such thing. The mere fact that they're saying that, yes, there is such a thing as biological sex, and in some instances it matters, was enough to pull it. I warned you, you didn't listen. Shabbat shalom, everybody.